Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. This is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. I am really excited to have Amanda Coleman Phelps joining me today. She is the president of Nelson Coleman Jewelers. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we met, must have been like four years ago or something? Yeah, I can't believe it's been that long. Time flies. Yes. And at the time, you were uh, an executive at the store. Yeah. And now, you are the big enchilada. Yes, I guess you could say that. I like to say that it's a still a, very much a family affair. Absolutely. One of the things that really struck me was uh, when I first came to visit your location, going down into the basement, there's a little shelf as you mm-hmm. go down the steps, and there is a trunk yeah. that your, is it your great-grandfather? Yeah, um, first generation, the trunk that they used to come To come over. to America. Uh-huh, yes. That's history. Yeah, it's amazing. We try, and the, there's a clock on our wall also that we have a picture of in the shop that they had in Munich before, Munich, Bavaria, before it was Germany. Oh, wow. Yes, we have that in the store as well. So you're third or fourth generation in the business? I'm sixth. Sixth generation in yes. the business. So does that add any pressure to the situation that, you know, you need to make sure Tons. you are the captain? <laughs> yes, it does. But... Good pressure, good pressure. Yeah, it's just all the way that we, uh, as human beings, we make meaning out of everything that happens to us. And you're making meaning that this is good pressure that allows me to be at my very best. Yes, definitely. That's something, that is one huge lesson I've taken away from working with family. Um, I really fought that challenge um, with the dynamic. I mean, you... You can imagine working with your parents. Yes. It's not always easy. And I fought that for a long time because I wanted to prove myself. And I realized through the process that I, I really require challenge and I crave challenge in order to grow. And it's not a, a bad thing. It's really good because that struggle means you're getting closer to the meat and potatoes. Absolutely. So in my worldview, uh, a leader has to do a few things that are important. Mm -hmm. One of them is to have a compelling vision. There's been visions in the past. The generation before you, your parents' generation, what was their vision for the future of the company? And now that you're in charge, is it still the same or have you altered it in some way? So the vision of my parents was to was really centered around family. Yes. And it was to provide, um, really provide an income stream to be able to support their families. And I believe it was one of my dad's biggest missions in life to find a sixth generation. Yes. He worked very hard in making sure that that happened equitably you know, with my uncle's family and with our family. And so really, he, his mission was to obviously provide a beautiful product in a professional, fun atmosphere, but also to provide a succession. 
Brilliant. And now that you've taken over, uh, vision is really important. Oh, how has the vision changed? And how do you see the future of not only your company, but the industry? I have been given an opportunity to really build on the foundation that my parents created, which is such an honor. And it's almost like they built the base of the house, Mm -hmm. the foundation, and I get to build the rest of it. And so I really see us growing in multiple locations, uh, being able to provide a trustworthy, fun atmosphere for our clients that really touches all the life cycles of the jewelry purchasing experience, usually starting with bridal all the way up until it's time for them to, you know, possibly dispose of their jewelry so that someone else can enjoy it someday. Nice. As you grow your organization, Mm -hmm. you certainly have the legacy from the past and parents that are, you know, still watching. So what's that like? How do you balance the take a breath, stay calm, and still grow the company? Like, what's that like? Because there's lots of people that have multi-generation companies and it's a very challenging thing to navigate. Giving people the benefit of the doubt, I'm very lucky in that I don't work with anyone with, who's malicious. Mm-hmm. My family, they're great people. And so when things get heated or opinions get really pushed, I know that there's a reason for that. And so giving everyone the benefit of the doubt and taking a step back and allowing them to explain their their point of view and really listen. I find in nature, I'm a very reactionary person. Mm -hmm. So something I do for myself to give others the opportunity to explain is to ask questions. And I find that the only thing I can control is my own behavior. Yes. And so by controlling my own behavior, that's the only thing I can do to help keep things calm and like I said before, our, my family, we have no problem telling each other how we feel. I think for a period of time, I resented that. Yes. But now that I am older and have you a family of my it. own, I've just totally embraced the fact that I've been raised in, a, in an atmosphere where we're not suppressed. And so being able to foster that in the workplace in a professional way has been kind of a goal of mine. And I think asking questions is really important for two reasons. Number one, oftentimes a person that's uh, agitated, mm-hmm. they don't realize the underlying cause of the agitation. They just know right. this has triggered something within me and I'm reacting this way. And that's their reality. And by asking questions, sometimes you can give them insights into, oh, this is making me feel uh, unwanted or unsafe. Exactly. And then once you get down to the core issue, they can say, oh, we can solve that. Here's what I'm doing. And so number one, you help them get uh, insight. And yes. number two, questions allow you to mess with the brain chemistry in somebody else's head. <laughs> I was doing a demonstration, uh, a presentation, and I turned to the woman to my right and said, do you remember the first time you held Jack in your arms? That's her oldest son. Mm-hmm and her entire demeanor changed and she had these dreamy eyes and she got transported back 15 years 
to holding her son for the first time. Yeah. And just by asking that one question, I changed her brain chemistry. So we have this amazing power yes. that we sometimes don't realize how useful it is. It's true. I tell my kids all the time because I have two boys and having young boys means that we talk about superheroes a lot. <laughs> um, same with my husband, too. I don't think he would mind me saying that. But I always tell them, you know, you really are a true superhero. We have the power of choice and we can choose truly what we can do every day. And that will impact what's going to come next. And I know they're six and four, so I know they don't truly understand what that means. It took me a long time to figure that out for myself, but if they can figure that out, I know that they'll they'll have a really good shot to be who they want growing up. Absolutely. If you remember when I did a presentation for your uh, team, yes, I said, you know, most of our beliefs come by the time we're seven years of age. Mm -hmm. So you've only got another year left in my days. Hurry up. <laughs> and hurry up and program it, and then yeah. they'll be, you're on your own now. Yeah, exactly. Being a manager, you also have staff. Mm -hmm. And you have a certain way you want your staff to interact with clients that come in. Yes. How do you instill that in their hearts and minds because we've all been to restaurants where somebody greets you, takes you to your table, and they say all the right things, and you know that they don't mean it. And yeah. other times you go in, and you can just feel that welcome. So right. how do you get people to really authentically interact with people in the way that you want? I'm a big believer that it comes from the top down. Mm -hmm. So if I want them to act a certain way, I need to be the example. Otherwise, I'm giving permission for them to not act that way. I'm a big believer in how we say things is just as important as what we say. Probably more so. Probably more so because I joke around, I use the example with like a dog. If I am excited, I could say anything. I could be like, I'm going to take away all your treats. But and if the dog I'm, will be happy they'll be so happy tail. and yeah. wagging their tail. Um, so that's important. Have you seen that State Farm commercial where this... Uh, a uh, young lady, she's getting her first car and her dad's presenting it to her. Have you seen this? Yes, I totally know the one. And, and they're doing the, the same dialogue, but it's totally different. And there's a guy different. who's got his car wrecked. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's all tonality. It's so true. And that is something that we try to talk about when we're doing, you know, live examples mm -hmm. and, and role-playing. Just how we say things will put the customer at ease. But... We truly have to mean it. And I think working in an environment where your boss truly cares about you and your well-being, if that's not there, then it's really hard to Absolutely. say things the way that should be said for the client. So how I treat them is going to dictate how they treat their clients. And modeling that behavior is not only uh, uh, essential for boss-employee Mm -hmm. but mom and sons do, right? Yes. Because they don't care what you say. They watch what you do. Yeah, and I try not to turn it off when I get home. <laughs> I try to keep it on. What is a lesson that you learned from one of your parental units or your uncle that you still use today that makes you a better leader? Probably the biggest lesson I've learned was, um, well, I've learned a lot from my mom, my dad, and my uncle but one from my dad sticks out. It's the willingness to apologize mm -hmm. and to accept when you're wrong and accept that you've made a mistake. 
letting go of that ego and that pride because I have learned that until I'm willing to apologize and accept the things that I haven't done well and that I need to improve on, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to learn from them. He has shown me through his actions that it's something that you should do, and I've always appreciated that lesson. One of the worst situations in the world, maybe, is when one spouse has an affair. Yeah. And they deny, 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 or excuse, excuse, excuse. Then you have another spouse that does the same behavior, and at one point when they're fully transparent, especially if it's right away when they find out, those marriages survive Mm -hmm. and the ones where people don't take responsibility never recover they might stay married yeah but the joy is gone and the trust is gone and the trust may not come back when they're totally transparent but it does come back eventually yeah and so just that ability to be authentic and vulnerable Uh, in our society we think vulnerability is a weakness right it's so disappointing to think that I was doing a, a podcast with the CEO of uh, Gilsum Snow. They do snowboards. Okay. And this guy's all about engineering and the best board. And initially it was like, we just need the best board. It doesn't need any graphics or anything fancy on it. The quality of the board is what counts. And after 18 months, he went to his staff and said, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Like this is costing us business. I was wrong. And we're going to start adding graphic designs, just coming in. And when he realized it, being vulnerable, and what it did was it built up trust between the employees and him. It's yeah. like, that's okay, boss. You made a mistake. Let's move forward. Right. If it was the customers are stupid, we're going to do this anyway, it just would have been inauthentic and wouldn't have strengthened the company, would have weakened it. I totally agree with that. It's such a huge message that you send to your team. And it allows them to be more vulnerable and it teaches them that that's okay. And I learned the most from how to grow from our team. Mm -hmm. I'm so lucky to have a team that's extremely entrepreneurial and they have great ideas and I'm willing to listen and they're willing to give me feedback and I have learned to really crave constructive criticism And by asking for that constructive criticism allows me to feel comfortable and allows them to feel comfortable with me giving it to them. So it's like you're saying, it's a two-way street. Absolutely. And I think part of uh, getting the team to come together, Mm -hmm. usually not so much for the leader. I think a lot of leaders go, you know, look at me, I'm pretty and I'm fantastic and you're going to be part of my team. And I think when you do that, you can build a, a good team. But when you get a team coming together for the greater good, yeah, it just creates something that's magnificent. It's, you're absolutely right. And so talking about purpose and talking about what drives you, I will say that until I really stopped and looked at all the strengths that our team brings to the table, I don't know if I could answer that question. Right. But now that I look and I see everything that our team brings, the, the real purpose that I have is to create an environment for them where they can grow because you spend all this time at work. Shouldn't you love it? Shouldn't you feel like you have a purpose there and you can be innovative and grow? And man, how cool is that that I get to create that atmosphere for them? That's good, a huge driver. Good for you because I think uh, I told you uh, what I thought leaders were. Uh, yeah. Another definition is leaders need to have 
a kick-ass, amazing vision that inspires people to go beyond. Mm -hmm. Build a culture, and that's what you're talking about, where people suspend their fear, come at the enterprise with passion and joy because they trust in the leader, and that trust allows them to go beyond their capacities. Yeah. And then the third thing is long-term shareholder value. How do we make sure this entity grows? Right. You can do those three things, easy to say, yeah. but a constant challenge to, to live up to. Yeah. But I- once you get the team there, it's a piece of cake. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tell me about, as a leader or as you were moving up the organization, tell me about a mistake that uh, you made or allowed that ended up being a learning lesson that was something that, wow, I'm better for having gone through that. Jeez, I have so many. I can, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a really good one. I think a mistake that I have made, maybe not very specific, is not being completely transparent with people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I try to work on. Early on in my career not being completely professional and being on time and I know that seems silly but not paying attention to to some of the things that really make you a professional person right that would be one um, and that's huge huge uh, the way I handled conflict with my family mm-hmm. in um, I learned a lot from how to do how to handle conflict that way not handling it well is how I learned to handle it well. Sometimes you got to go through the crucible of uh, go through the fire to get to the other side. Right. And so those are some like major mistakes I think I've made in my growth, just in life. Um, not always being very appreciative of what was mm-hmm. given to me and having too high expectations were some mistakes that I've made. Keeping people in longer than they probably should have been. Yeah, that's it's tough being a leader, isn't it? It's tough because I think one of, and I'm still learning, one of the big lessons is you think that's what is best. You both think, you and the employee both think that that's a good fit and you're trying so hard to make it work. And it's up to you as the leader to decide when it's not working anymore. And so keeping someone longer instead of allowing them to be free to do what they should be doing. Is a disservice to everybody. It is. It's a disservice to everyone. And a huge distraction for the leader. Huge distraction for the leader and really everybody. And it puts your culture and your workplace at a lot of risk. Definitely. And I think that's why it's so critical for every leader to know what their purpose is, what their values are, what their criteria is, because it allows them to make those decisions and see them more clearly. Then when you don't absolutely know what that is, then there's this nebulousness that stops us from executing at the speed and the certainty that we need, because mm-hmm. the rest of the company is relying on the leader to, to fulfill that role. Exactly. And it's not an re- easy role to do. No. Because tough decisions and lives depend on making the right decision because they got families and kids and all that stuff. Exactly. And you want to make that choice for, I think it's not recognizing that you're holding them back. Yes. And the initial shock is it's always hard. But I think if the person is open enough to the fact that 
that's not their right environment to thrive, then they will ultimately understand. So I'm going to do a podcast that might make it a video one. There's this process that I developed that is designed to help teams and individuals get clarity on what's going on now, what's happening in the future. Employees especially can take a look at, oh my God, this is a problem. And oftentimes they self-select out of the equation because hmm. it brings clarity to the situation without emotions being involved. Sure. And so when it's done, I'll send you a link to it. Okay. That would be great. So, Amanda, is there something I should have asked you that I did not? I cannot think of anything. You do so well asking questions. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Is there a book you're reading right now or, or have read that you would recommend to people? Yeah. there's a. It's a short read. It's by Rob Slee, mm-hmm. and it's called Time Really Is Money. And it helps you as a leader. Well, it helped, I'll say, it helped me as a leader and also someone who works as a manager still in the company. Yes. Really look at how I spend my time and the value of that. And I think a lot of leaders get bogged down in the every day tasks. Yes. And don't spend enough time really strategizing and giving themselves permission to think about their company and the big picture. Yes. And in reading this book, it really forced me to have to look at my day, how I'm best using my time. And it was important. Because I'm not sure how much you're worth an hour, but it's a lot more than you're getting paid. Let me say this. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Because oftentimes if we're doing tasks that are uh, utilitarian, Mm -hmm. then we're doing a disservice to the organization because wait a minute, I'm being paid, let's say you're a consultant, you might be paid $500 an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this $10 an hour work. Exactly. And I'm getting paid $500 an hour to do it, and I am ripping my own company off. Whereas you go, hey, doing this high-end work and right. making relationships with amazing customers that could be two generations worth of business coming into our store exactly. is your highest value to the company. Exactly. And getting others to understand that and communicating it to them and you're right it it really kind of trickles into all areas Mm -hmm. because if i'm not doing it then i'm suppressing others from being able to do what their best suited tasks are and you know that can create morale issues here and so that all kind of lies with me and it's funny you brought up the like pay yes and i can say that was way more important to me before I came into this leadership role. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and then as soon as I came into this leadership role where you would think your pay would grow, it became something that- A secondary issue? A secondary, uh, it's certainly not my fulfillment. And then, whereas I thought it might be, it's definitely not my fulfillment is watching other people make money in my business. We're gonna do a high five right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And it's so much, I get such a greater reward watching that than for my, for myself. And, you know, I'll have people say to me like, well, because you know, that's going to help you grow. And I'm like, I'm not even really thinking about that. And it's cool. And I could see you four years ago, if somebody said that to you, there would be an eye roll. Yeah, I would be like, "Hmm." you know, and I never was a materialistic person. Mm -hmm. I'm still not, but like, it's not even a 
a, f- a thought right now, yeah. and it's really cool. Like I'm, I would hope that all leaders can get to that point because I don't think until I got here, I really had the amount of clarity I have now. Brilliant. Amanda, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Thank you for having me. This is fun. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 